This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Hey, this is Greg Stanley. I just want to give a quick shout out to some of the countries that are supporting us. We continue to expand and we're in over 40 countries now, which is truly awesome. And thanks to all of you for all of your support and sharing my podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers. First, a shout out, obviously, for the U.S. You're number one. Appreciate all the support. Number two, Norway. Norway, thank you so much. I have a strong feeling there's a lot of Air Force folks in there. So thank you for your commitment, not only to listening to this podcast, but for your service for our country. Number three, United Kingdom. Thank you so much. And then we have Spain, Australia, Thailand, Canada, Sweden, Malaysia, and Germany are all top listeners of this podcast. So really appreciate it. We just had a new ad, one listener down in South Africa. So if you're listening right now, appreciate your support. So That's it for now. Just wanted to give everybody a quick update. Welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest today, James Cooper. James, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you, Greg. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And uh, before we find out what you're actually doing today, if you would, tell us, what do you want to be when you grew up? Uh, You know, it's an interesting question, uh, because I don't think I really knew for sure what I wanted to be. Uh, The career that I've ended up in uh, was something that I knew a little bit about and I was very interested uh, in kind of engaging in the kind of things that were made in my industry growing up, Uh, but I didn't really know it was a thing that you could actually do. So it took me a while before I I kind of knew that this is something that I would be wanting to do as a career. So I I feel like that's kind of a a vague answer to the question. So I apologize if that doesn't give you kind of the uh, the sort of the, the necessarily the dream job thing, but I didn't know it was a dream job at that point. <laughs> no, vague is good because I had the kind of vague thing as well. It was kind of like, all right, you know, a fireman, a doctor, a policeman. Those are kind of the three that I knew of growing up. I didn't know there was all these other jobs out there. Is one of the reasons I created this podcast so people could learn about yeah. these other cool things. So. Well, speaking of school, what was one of your favorite subjects or hobbies while in school? Uh, so, I mean, this will kind of become obvious as I, I talk about what I actually do on a day-to-day basis. But the, the subjects that I was most excited about when I was at high school, kind of graphic design, IT, I was kind of a math nerd as well. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I was more on the like the creative slash math side and, and was very interested in, in flexing those muscles. Right, right. Okay. Well, what was your first actual real job? One where you felt like you had some responsibilities and you wanted to perform well? So my first actual real job, uh, I worked for a uh, an electronic superstore in the UK called Curry's, uh, which is, uh, I mean, anyone listening in the UK will probably be familiar with it. But to give you some uh, some context, it's basically the British Best Buy. Uh, oh, right. So, yep. You know, kind of lots of consumer electronics, white goods, kind of the whole, the whole gamut. Uh, and it was a store that was local to, to where I lived and grew up. It had a big video game section as well, which was something that I was particularly interested in. Yeah, and actually that leads us directly to our next question. So what do you do today? And take us from that moment in 
Curry's. Is that correct? Curry's? That's right, yeah. Take us from that moment in Curry's as your first job uh, along your career path to what you do today. So today I am a video game designer. I am uh, the lead designer uh, at Insomniac Games in Burbank, California. Wow. That's like a dream job for me, and I don't even know everything that's involved in it. But that's a, that's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I mean, to go back to when you were saying, like, oh, what did I want to be when I was growing up? Like, I think if I knew that a video game designer was a real thing, like that was a career, that probably would have been my, my dream job at the time. Right, right. So where'd you go after Curry's and how did you get to where you are? So after Curry's, uh, that was, I, I worked there when I think I was about 16, 17. Uh, so that was my first job while I was still at high school. I, I kind of worked there part time. I then transitioned uh, to a another part time job while I was continuing my education. Uh, a, a video game retail store called GameStation. Uh, people in the UK, again, are probably familiar with it, uh, but it, it's it's sort of the British equivalent of, of GameStop. It's not around anymore, unfortunately. It kind of got rolled into the, the game uh, UK franchise. Uh, but that was somewhere that, obviously tying into what I do now, it, it meant I got the opportunity to, to kind of play a lot of games uh, and surround myself with people who are similarly minded. By looking back now, that obviously set me up for the success for for uh, some of the, the things that I do today. Right. Okay. So you're in there selling games. Well, what yeah. was the first step to actually start designing games? So I went to college uh, when I was 18 uh, and studied graphic design uh, when I, I was at university. Uh, I actually went to Coventry University, which is the, the town which I, I grew up in, uh, which was a, a, a school that was known for uh, having a very good art and design uh, program. Coventry University is actually more known for its automotive design programs. Uh, Coventry's, I'm not sure if this is a compliment or not, Coventry is kind of the Detroit of the UK. Uh, so... <laughs> For cars, uh, for cars, that's a compliment. Exactly. Yeah. No. It's it's very much the home of the the auto industry in the UK, uh, which I know you have your uh, your interests and passions in cars as well. So you you may well be familiar with it already. It goes to show, like it, it has a strong art and design background, uh, which is why I was interested in studying graphic design there. But at the time, I still didn't know really that I wanted to work in games or that a game designer was a thing. But what I found myself doing while I was at college was tailoring a lot of the projects that I worked on towards video games. Uh, my final dissertation in my final year, uh, I wrote about a subject in gaming that I was interested in. And then I, uh, I reached out to a company called Blitz Games, who were a local game developer, who actually ran a program where they invited university and college students into their studio uh, where they could... Uh, be exposed to sort of what the games industry is like. Uh, and it was like a one-day event, which you got to talk to developers and they, they talked about what it means to, to make games. And that, I think, really set me up for understanding that the games industry was a real thing. Does that make sense? Like it was That a, makes total sense. Yeah, it's like a miniature internship to whet your appetite. Exactly. Ironically, still at that time, I didn't know a game designer was a thing. I went in <laughs> uh, under the guise of a 3D artist because I'd been okay. spending a lot of time kind of modeling stuff in my own time. And uh, I think I was working in 3DS Max at the time. Uh, and I, I put like a little mini portfolio of art together and sent that to them. And I was lucky enough in that they, they picked me as one of the submissions. Yeah, it's another, unfortunately, Blitz Games isn't around anymore either. It was a studio that was set up by uh, the Oliver Twins, who uh, had made some like classic games in the 80s and 90s. Uh, alongside the, the Codemasters uh, publishing arm, so they were they were kind of they were well known game developers in the area, and they were yeah they were people who I was like I was really excited to to be able to attend this. Now, if you would tell me what was the first game that 
really got you excited? Like, what was your favorite game as a little kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of walk me through a couple of those games afterwards. Kind of like your career path of gaming. I don't game much right now. I did quite a bit in my youth, so I can relate quite a bit. I'll probably know quite a few that you rattle off. Thinking back to, like, my first gaming system was uh, an Acorn Electron, which was kind of a home computer, uh, which it had a lot of, I guess we would call them clones now. I don't know if that's what we would call them at the time, but rather than the, the sort of the, the well-known Frogger, it was called Snapper. But it was effectively the same game. Where you <laughs> was it a turtle instead of a frog? Uh, it must have been, yeah. You know, the, the, the graphics <laughs> at the time were, were so uh, kind of rudimentary that it was probably hard to tell. But uh, right. it's, that, that's a game I can particularly remember playing when I was young. And it was one of those systems where you had to load the games with uh, sorry cassettes. So... You know, you had to wait for everything to load up and then you get five minutes of game. So that was my first system. <laughs> but I think uh, the, the game that I think really like opened my eyes as a kid uh, was probably the original Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Mega Drive, yep. uh, which yeah, the Genesis here, uh, which I can remember just being blown away at the time about like the, the visuals and the gameplay and, and just everything about that game. Uh, and like I ended up, I think I think my brother bought the Sega Mega Drive with Sonic. My brother's a little bit older than I I am, uh, and I remember him bringing it home. And I think I basically hijacked that system, and it, it ended up <laughs> becoming my games console, you know, uh, and mainly because of this one game. Wow, that's really cool. And just to show the age difference here, I think the first game that I was exposed to, and now I was very young at the time, was Atari's Duck Hunt at my oh, aunt's. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, I got to play it like twice, and then uh, it was taken away. It was like the forbidden fruit, and I didn't play a game again for like five years. <laughs> That's it. You know, my parents were actually really, really good with that kind of thing, supporting me growing up. They knew it was video games or something I was very passionate about, but there's definitely still that kind of, like, you'll never make a living from video games, and then, like, you know, you look at it, what it, the industry's like today, and people literally make a living from playing video games, so. Right, right, it's, it's yeah. It's evolved. Right, okay. Well, cool. Well, take us a little bit further into your career path here. So you were exposed to that company. Yeah. You started, you were, you know, where did you go from there? You, you, had, you hadn't quite clued in yet that that was a thing, so when did you get clued in? Exactly, yeah. So what's funny is I did that open day at Blitz Games, uh, and I remember coming home thinking, oh, so that's how video games are, are made. I don't think I want to do that. Like, it, it, I think it, <laughs> it sort of took the magic out of it a little bit for me because, you know, you kind of saw that, oh, it's, it's, it's kind of a day job and there's a lot of work that goes into it. And it's not necessarily the, the sort of the, the most high spectacle thing that you would necessarily expect. It's, you know, I look around the studio today and it's, it's an office environment and it's full of like the most creative people that I've ever worked with. Uh, but to look at as a, a newcomer to the industry, it's like, oh, it's it's just a you know, it's just a studio full of full of people. So I think I walked away thinking, I'm not sure that's what I want to do. Uh, this was in my final year of college. I, I graduated with my my degree in graphic design. So I spent a year working in graphic design then, uh, and I worked freelance for I think about nine months, uh, and then I ended up with a, a full time job as a, an in house graphic designer for a property developer. And during that time, I think I was getting a little bit of a taste of, of what it meant to be a professional graphic designer. And I, I started to get this feeling that this thing that I'd been studying for all these years probably wasn't the thing that I wanted to be doing for the rest of my life. Uh, so I started looking at university courses uh, for master's degrees in game development and 
kind of reached out to a few different colleges in the UK, uh, the various different programs that I saw, and none of them kind of really called out to me in a in a special way. Like they were obviously kind of exciting, but I was a little bit daunted at the time about going back to college and doing something full time in education. Uh, and then I can remember one particular day where I, I kind of got into the car at the end of a, a work day while I was at the property developer and I, I wasn't really enjoying it. And I got this phone call uh, that uh, turned out to be the one of the course directors at the University for the Creative Arts in Farnham. You know, I expressed some interest in the, the games course that they had and was asking if it was something that, you know, I was actually genuinely interested in. And because I wasn't enjoying the job that I was doing, I, I kind of said, you know, to hell with it. Let's let's give it a go. Let's try it. It was a, a one year master's program. Uh, so I ended up moving to the south of England to Farnham uh, and did this master's in uh, digital video game design and realized that actually this is the thing that I want to be doing. Like this is something I love. It's something that I love the people that I'm, I'm being surrounded by. Uh, I'm getting I was being mentored by. Uh, somebody who'd worked in the industry. Uh, I, I just felt like it was, was this kind of real uh, eye-opening, kind of awakening experience of like, oh, this is this is it. This is the this is the thing that I want to be doing. Wow, that's a great eye-opening experience. So you realize that now? Did you end up getting a master's degree to pursue that goal? I did. Yeah. So I I spent the the year down in Farnham and I, I got the master's degree, uh, and then. Uh, I, I made some really good friends while I was there. It was only a small program. Uh, it was a, a, a degree uh, that was embedded in the art school there, so I was surrounded by a, a lot of people doing different subjects as well. There were, were people doing photography and fine art, uh, and it was great. It was a great exposure to a lot of different creative mindsets, uh, which has really set me up for success uh, kind of later on in my career as well. Uh, so, yeah, so I graduated with that master's degree, and then I was like, okay, now I need to find a job. So I, I want to be a game designer, but how do I how do I go about actually being a game designer? Uh, so I started to attend career fairs, and I started to meet various people in the industry, uh, particularly sort of HR and recruiters. I applied for a job. I won't name which game developer it was in the UK, <laughs> but I applied for a job and didn't get the interview. And like looking back, I, I think you know it worked out. Things tend to work out for a reason, right? Then I was fortunate enough to get a phone call from a friend of a friend who said, oh, hey, like, I, I hear you just finished your, like, your master's degree in game design. Um, my housemate uh, actually works for a video game developer locally, and they are looking for new level designers. I was like, that sounds like something I could be really interested in. So it right. turns out that, uh, yeah, this friend of a friend's uh, housemate worked, worked for Codemasters, uh, who were another local gaming studio to the area where I grew up in the U.K., uh, and I was very familiar with them. I, I kind of grew up playing a lot of their racing games as well. I used to love the, uh, the I, I'm going back a few years now, but the Colin McRae rally games and the, the Toka race driver games. They were working on a new game and they were looking for uh, new level designers. And they were basically looking for people who were fresh from college who had uh, learned some core skills while at college, but were, were ready to take that first step into the industry. So that's actually where I got my first proper job in video games. I, I ended up at, at Codemasters as a level designer, uh, and there I worked on Colin McRae Dirt 2 and Dirt 3. So what does that mean, a level designer? Yeah, so what does that mean? It, it's, a term, <laughs> it's, a, it's a term that tends to vary, and the, the same is true, level designer, game designer, uh, systems designer. It tends to vary from studio to studio. 
the broad term that we use for all of them is game designer. Uh, but a level designer in particular is somebody who builds environments in, uh, in the game, but in a very rudimentary way so that uh, you are proving out kind of gameplay mechanics, systems, and flow. If it's on a racing game, you, you kind of, uh, we, we would also talk about it as being like a track designer. Okay. So yep. I was working on rally games where I was building these sort of start to finish uh, kind of five mile tracks on a, a kind of a more narrative driven game you're, you're talking about like building story elements as well is like how does character a and b get from one location to another and progress through the story now what role are you doing today at insomniac so today i am a lead designer where i head up a team of uh we call them mission designers okay uh, and uh, open world designers it's uh, a similar role to the ones that i i have been doing throughout my career so Uh, It's people building environments, it's people kind of uh, scripting things and putting the content into the game and and working with the wider development team. Uh, And I I think the thing for anybody that's not sort of initiated in in how video games are made, it's such a massive kind of cross-disciplinary sort of industry today. So we have designers, artists, programmers, effects artists, audio designers and engineers, QA uh, analysts, like it's such a big spectrum and a lot of the job is kind of everybody working together to, to create this cohesive whole. Yeah. So tell me about that a little bit. So you have a team of designers that work for you. Does one of them work on, excuse my verbiage here, because I don't know how to ask the questions. Like, is one of them working on the trees in the the actual physical environment that you're in? Another is working on the car, the actual gameplay object whether it's a character or a car is is that something like and, and one works on the storytelling how does can you walk us through a little bit of that sure yeah i think it's probably helpful to talk about the, the last game we released which was marvel spider-man uh yep which uh we broke the the roles down into to multiple ways within the design team where we had mission designers who uh they worked on the story missions as you progress through the game we had open world designers who fleshed out the uh, the interactive things that you could do in the city, and we had combat designers who focus on like the core combat systems, uh, how uh, Spider-Man throws a punch, how the enemies behave, uh, how how all of those interactions work through combat, uh, including like big boss fights with the the more uh, sort of famous enemy characters as well. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, I know this isn't your particular game, but it's one I played a lot was Halo 2. Mm-hmm. And that kind of dates myself as well. But that has such a fluidity to it that uh, was the a lot of it was the fun part because you could just flow through these environments in such a cool way. And, and I'm assuming that's a huge part of what you guys do now to make Spider-Man you know, swing in an appropriate way that's a lot of fun and has some cool effects to it, right? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, flow is a term that we, we use a lot within uh, kind of d- the design team. Uh, and it, it means different things depending on the, the sort of the content that you're looking at. So if we're talking about, uh, yeah, the way Spider-Man moves through the world, we want to make sure that that traversal and that movement is as fluid as possible. We want to make sure it's capturing that fantasy of being the Spider-Man as, you know, as he's swinging through New York City. Uh, but it also means something to mission designers where, we're talking about the pacing of uh, how you progress through the the environments in the story uh, to to make the comparison to film. Like there's that sort of you want those uh, pacing ramps and and peaks and troughs to make sure that you you get the right moments of sort of high intensity and low intensity and 
the same is very, very true of mission design and level design. Right. Now, who is in charge of coming up with Easter eggs? <laughs> uh, that can vary. Like that tends to come from various places in the team. Uh, like that might be a designer, that might be an environment artist, uh, it might be uh, like the director might want to put something in, uh, but it, it can, yeah, it tends to come from pretty much anywhere in the development team. So those of our listeners, the, the kids know, but the adults might not know what an Easter egg is in a video game. Could you explain it a little bit? Sure, yeah. So an Easter egg tends to be uh, a little hidden thing that you can find in the world that uh, just gives you like a, it, it's kind of a fun little, like the, the game designer or the, the environment artist or somebody that hid it somewhere that's not easy to find. You probably have to do something a, a little silly to, to be able to find it. Uh, but it gives you a little nod and, you know, you find it and it's like, oh, that's a, that's a fun little thing. That's kind of silly, but it's, it's cool to find them. Can you share one in Spider-Man? Um, the only one that's jumping to mind is not a great example. Uh, with, with, <laughs> I, it's, it's actually a very sad story where um, there, you may have seen news articles about it. There was a, a gentleman who wanted to uh, propose to his then girlfriend uh, and reached out to the studio. And we actually put the proposal into the game uh, on the billboards uh, above a movie theater in Manhattan. So and it and it said, "Will you marry me?" Um, with the the person's name on the board. This is in the game. This is in the right? game. Yeah, like okay, you you would be able to swing swing through the through the environment, and you would find it. And the idea was that this was how the guy was going to propose to his girlfriend. I say it's a very sad story because between the time that we put it in the game and the time that the game released, uh, they unfortunately broke up. Uh, and <laughs> it was just this, yeah, kind of tragic thing that we put in. It was like, oh, no, what have we done? Like, we felt such a, a kind of responsibility there. And I can remember talking to our art director about it. And, and she was just like, she, yeah, I remember her feeling really responsible. Um, but that's the kind of thing is like, you wouldn't necessarily think anything of it if, if you weren't aware of what it was for. Uh, but it was a little Easter egg that we'd left in the city that, Kind of backfired on us, honestly. <laughs> it's kind of like the being on the uh, cover of Sports Illustrated. That means you're not going to win the Super Bowl, maybe. Yeah, so you don't want to do a maybe, proposal. Yeah. It's um, we 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 certainly learned a lesson that day. Well, if you ever want to put "Learn from Others" on a billboard in a video game, you just let me know. Yeah, we can talk about that. <laughs> As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. If you're an educator or student, you can search for podcasts by career cluster, and additional resources are under the resource tab. So, James, we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which you weren't really sure, which is not an uncommon answer, and what you do today, which is des you design video games, which is a very uncommon answer, and just awesome all around. So, if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? It's hard to answer that question, because if, if I did do anything differently, would I be where I am right now? I, I've been very fortunate, I've been very lucky to, to get to where I'm at, and I, I'm not sure as I, I would want to change anything. Uh, I think if I were to uh, look at kind of one of my regrets, it would be if when I was back at college, I kind of wish I'd spent a little bit more time adventuring out in the world. Like, yeah. I, I'm not sure if you remember, but I said I, I went to the college in my hometown, which looking back, I probably could have had, had a bit more life experience from going to a college a little bit further from home and uh, sort of living away from home. I wish I'd done that. But at the same time, would I be here right now had I done that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great feeling when you look back and you say, I don't know that I'd change anything, even if there were obstacles and headaches and, you know, maybe some loss and some regrets. 
you still realize those make you who you are today. Yeah. And so you necessarily wouldn't want to not have those, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've definitely had those challenges in my career. Like there's definitely been hard times and uh, there's, there's definitely been rough days where, it, you know, it hasn't all been sunshine and, and roses, you know, sunshine and absolutely. Even I'm getting, getting that metaphor mixed up. <laughs> right. Right. Well, absolutely. Well, one of the reasons I reached out to Eric and asked Eric to reach out to you is that your job is something that my audience is extremely interested in. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give one of our students who wants to do what you do? Because there's probably a lot that would like to do what you do. So what advice would you give them? Is there a typical career path they should look out for? Sure. So I actually, I, I have a, a lot of students reach out to me over Twitter and, and over social media, kind of asking similar questions. Uh, and the advice I, I tend to give to people is, so much of our industry uh, shares its information online now, and, and so many of the tools that we use on a day-to-day basis are actually freely available. My advice is always to really immerse yourself in that world if it's something that you're, you know, you're, you're interested in and you're, you're serious about exploring. Get, there's game engines that are used commercially, uh, such as Unity, uh, such as Unreal, uh, such as CryEngine, which are all available to download for free. Uh, that you can play around with at home. Uh, there's tutorials available online that kind of teach you everything from the basics through to ad- advanced stuff uh, and how to build games and how to build levels. And all you really need to do is go looking for it. There's a, a great website called uh, Gamer Sutra or Gama Sutra, uh, which uh, has a, resources uh, from people all over the industry who write articles on kind of design theory and art theory and the way uh, different developers have approached technical challenges. So the information is all there. And it's the kind of thing that I wish had been around when, you know, when I was at high school or, or even younger, because uh, I, I think I would have just soaked up so much time, like building, building my own little mini projects at home and uh, sort of getting to know those tools. Well, you just gave me a whole new hobby, so I'm going to be spending hours <laughs> doing this stuff. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I hope it works out. You're right, right. Thank you. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, are there any current projects you're currently working on that you would like to share? Uh, unfortunately, I can't talk about the project that I'm working on right now since it's not been announced. But yeah, Marvel Spider-Man was the most recent one. Uh, it was received very well. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, I would highly recommend taking a look. Uh, we got some really good feedback on that. For the record, that was the coolest answer I've had so far. <laughs> That's great to hear. <laughs> we got to check back. You know, we got to see what this project it's, is that you're working mystery, on. It's the mystery, right? It's the, uh, it's the intrigue. That's the intrigue. Yeah. Exactly. Well, cool. Well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And since I'm a huge car enthusiast, would you please tell me, what was your first car? Sure. So uh, I'm not sure if this is going to mean anything to you. I, you are a car enthusiast, so uh, I'm hoping it will. I inherited the family car when I was 17, uh, which was a Rover 800, uh, which when I say Rover... Super cool car for the record. That's a, isn't that a four-door car, but it's a Rover? It was a four-door sedan, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was, I mean, it must have been 15 years old when, by the time I was driving it. So it, it definitely was not a cool car at the time. Uh, <laughs> it was, my, my friends used to refer to it as the tank because it was... Uh, on the British roads, it was one of the bigger cars that you would see. Absolutely. Yeah, those are cool cars now. Yeah. You know, I could see back in the day, maybe they weren't so much. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because whenever I say I drove a Rover uh, in the U.S., people think, oh, Land Rover, like Land Rovers are cool cars. 
it's like, yeah, that's that's not really what Rover was at the time. Uh, like, they definitely had their Land Rover arm, but yeah, yeah the uh, the four-door saloon wasn't necessarily the coolest thing in the world. Right, and for our listeners here in the U.S., yeah, I'm trying to put what it would be like. It's kind of, I, I can't think of one offhand, but it's kind of like a four-door car in the 80s that is now considered cool. Like, you wouldn't have thought it was cool back then, you know, but now they're they're actually coming around being pretty cool. So I'll, I'll have well, to take your word for it on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is your dream car? Uh, I think, you know, growing up, my dream car was always uh, an Aston Martin. Uh, I was a, a big Bond fan, so, uh, you know, growing up watching the, the Sean Connery movies with the, the DB5 uh, and then the more recent movies with, like, the DB7 and... I don't even know what Daniel Craig drives in the, the latest movies. Is it the DBS or is it is it something fancier? It's still an Aston Martin. I don't know which one, though. I think it's uh, – that's a great question. I think it has like an actual name now versus the DBS sure, allocation. Yeah. yeah. No, they, they had the Vanquish at one point, which was also – yeah, that was a great car. So I always I always really wanted to have an Aston Martin. Wow, that's great. Well, one great perk to some jobs is a company car. So if I had all the world, money in the world, I'd love to buy you a cool company car. And I did not know you were British until you answered the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I can, you only make so many assumptions, I guess. So I didn't pick a British car. But what I thought was is, all right, video games, they're, they're well, in, in the name of your company, Insomniac. So what kind of car would keep people awake that would rattle the world, be over the top, crazy insane <laughs> just totally nuts which most video games are that way drama style all that kind of stuff so the car i picked and is posted right now if you'd like to see it is on, on learnfromothers.org the car i picked is ken block who is a professional race car driver drifter i picked his 1965 mustang coupe and our listeners know I'm a Mustang fan. That's not why I picked it. But if you look at this car, it is just nuts. It has like twin superchargers coming out of the hood. It's got flared fenders. He actually did quite a few, I think it's pronounced Gymkhana videos on YouTube, where he's doing these crazy stunts in this car, like in an abandoned warehouse. Just totally nuts. If When you fire it up, it shakes the whole neighborhood. I actually took these pictures that are posted at a trade show in Las Vegas, and I was able to hear him fire it up while they were moving it in and out of the convention center. So... That's the car I would pick for you if I had all the money in the world to buy you a cool company car. You know, I think if I was looking for something loud and noisy, that would be perfect. Uh, I'm not sure if you knew this, but uh, when I was Thank working at Codemasters, we worked with others, Block, where we help and others one of the things I worked on was success. a uh, where will an environment in Dirt 3 for the Gymkhana if you know of someone uh, who has a cool So, holy cool cow. It ties back in. I'm not sure if that's coincidence. Or, uh, that's total coincidence. Yeah, you'll have to check that out. I'll have to send you some links. Wow. I try not to learn too much about my guests prior so I can be just as fascinated as our listeners. So, I did not find that out about you. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, please send me some links. Yeah, that's the perfect Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you or your company? Uh, if people want to reach out to me directly, they can find me on Twitter, uh, underscore James, underscore Cooper. Uh, and if you want to find out more about Insomniac Games, uh, you can check out our website at insomniacgames.com. Well, James, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today. Thank you very much for having me.